Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM John. And I'm your other host, DM Neil, aka Jotmaniac. Got a couple of five-star reviews for you like we have at the beginning of every episode. Uh, this first five-star review comes from Jer the Fair. And it's entitled, This Podcast is a Critical Hit. Five stars. Natty 20. The DM's block is a critical hit. It took me about two months, but I am finally caught up. I've spent hours and hours listening to every episode, and I always find myself eager to hear the next. It has made work much more bearable, and I just love listening to the show while I work on campaign planning or messing around with my magic cards. Fantastic job. I wish there were more podcasts like this one. Five out of five stars. Yes. Yes. It would have been kind of funny, though, if there were like two out of five stars. (laughs) I just wanted them to read this. Ha ha. No, thank you, Jer the Fair, for that review. So for our next review, it comes from DM Romp, and it's entitled Awesome Podcast for New in Season DMs. I would highly recommend this podcast to all DMs. I've been DMing for about a year now and can never get enough information. I listen to podcasts all day at work, and although I learned from listening to actual play podcasts, I love listening to DMB and learning so much more than I thought I already knew. Keep on doing what you guys do best. Every episode is a must listen. You will not be bored. Five star plus. Oh man. Dear iTunes and Steve Jobs, the ghost of Steve Jobs. Please add a plus button to your five-star ratings so that DM Romp can give us that instead. But with all that out of the way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So today for the meat, we're going to be talking all about bards because it's entitled Bardic Knowledge. Of course we would. And we thought we would get somewhat of an expert on the topic. It is Kyle Classit, the Dungeon Maestro from the Bombarded Podcast. And I am super excited to have him tell us exactly what that is, because you should definitely be listening. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Oh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, man, I've been listening to your show for two years now. <gasps> oh, that's and, awesome. And uh, I... Yeah, no, it is awesome. Y'all do a fantastic job. I love listening to it. Um, so it's actually a pleasure for me to be here. I I can't even believe this has come to this. But uh, anyway, yeah, to the point. So many years ago, my band and I started playing D&D. I brought them into it. And then our piano player decided like, oh, I'm actually going to bring like he brought like a little thumb thumb keyboard or it's like it's like a half coconut that's rounded out and hollowed out and it's got little like metal bars on it it's kind of like yeah just a little thumb thumb piano so but he was using that playing a bard at the table and then we started thinking we're like oh man why don't we could just do all bards and you know they could play their instruments and actually do something like that we had been listening to the adventure zone which was very inspirational for us and uh, then you know we started to kind of roll the idea around and no pun intended. Um, but yeah, right. So yeah, so once we came to the idea, we were like, okay, so let's let's go with this. And I had a little hesitance at first because uh, I started playing in 3.5. And I remember the love-hate 
kind of relationship that people had with bards. So, you know, it wasn't always the most popular one. I always remember the most shade was thrown at bards. So I was nervous about the idea. But once we once we got rolling with it, we we're having a good time. So I, I'm just I'm the dungeon maestro. I, you know, tell the story, do what the DM does. And they all bring their instruments to the table. Uh, I have a piano player, a guitar player, and then we have a percussionist, which they just they, they they've taken all of their spells. And they will come up with parodies of popular songs and perform those spells whenever they're actually casting their magic. But the shtick of our show is our our piano player, Spurrier, he had ordered chord dice, uh, just eight-sided dice with chords on them. And they follow a diatonic uh, pattern. So just like it's in C major. So we roll those dice and we thought we thought about it. We were like, oh, this would be a great, you know, just coming up with songs for the band. Let's just roll these dice. And then... When we started thinking about doing the show, we were like, well, of course, why don't we just roll those dice and come up with a song every episode that relates to the story at hand? So every episode, we there's a moment and it's either I have something planned and I try to cue them into it or they just decide, hey, let's let's write a song here and try to resolve the situation or perform for somebody. So they will, you know, we'll break into that. We'll roll the we'll roll four eight sided dice, get the chords that we need and write a song. And I mean like it's it's been a really fun project so far. So good. Every every bit of it to you being the dungeon maestro to it being called bombarded and everything about it is so much fun. And I, well I'm glad nice. you're sharing it with people cuz it would be amazing to hear it and then just find out you're not recording it. That'd be depressing. Yeah, no, it was definitely something like you know, I I had wanted to do like a I was just like, oh, man, people are doing D&D podcasts. I mean, of course, I had heard of Critical Role, but I had never really like, listened. There was a there was a, a dark period of my life where I didn't play D&D. And man, those were bad times. But <laughs> that's not happening anymore, thankfully. Uh, Kyle, is there anything new you're currently working on that you want to tell the listeners or get them excited about? Uh, you know, I. Man, I listen to all the guests that y'all have on here, and you have fantastic people on there that are just <laughs> constantly putting out this fantastic product. And uh, I'm just a dude. I work in a repair shop for a music for a music company, and I repair band and orchestra instruments. Uh, the only other thing I have going on, other than Bombarded, is I've started doing this. Uh, this it's not a. I want to. I guess it's a YouTube series, but it's just me reading. Uh, I call it Kyle's Reading Time. If you search it on YouTube, you might be able to find it. But right now, I'm reading through uh, "The Name of the Wind" by Patrick Rothfuss, and oh, it's I love really that just book. it's fantastic so far. I'm only on I think I finished on chapter 15 today, which I just finished before doing this. So I get on there and I just uh, you know I just pick up where I left off and I read through and it's it's practice for me since you know I'm working in this audio medium. It gives me the opportunity to be able to learn how to speak fluently and also considering I write up a lot being able to read that without having it sound like I'm reading that's that's the real practice for me and also of course there's so many characters that character voice and voice acting is another thing that I get a practice out of that so yeah Kyle's reading time I post about it every Tuesday I do it like five o'clock central standard time so if you're interested in hearing me read Patrick Rothfuss's The Name of the Wind which once I finish that I'll move on to something else but I'm I really want to keep (laughs) following that series because I'm sold so hard on it now So it's time for your surprise question, as we have for all of our guests. Oh, yeah. And so I dug this one up, and it is from DM Keato, and it says, if you could have any spell at your disposal in real life, what spell would it be and why? Man, I've actually had somebody ask me that in the last couple months, and it would be prestidigitation. It is practical, useful. I would never have to wash laundry again or clean dishes. Think about that. 
I mean, well, I mean, a wish spell could go so wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. <laughs> but I, I, I think if, if I'm being practical, Prestidigitation would be a very handy spell to just be able to use at whim. I like it. Well, and it's also because it's an, a cantrip, so you can use it as much as you want. It's not a small thing. Exactly. You're out at dinner. You're eating some fantastic barbecue. Oh, no, my vest. What's happened? Bam, gone. It's done. Clean. It sounds no like worries. we have lived somewhat of the same life because I have had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the beard yep. doesn't catch it, you know that something else is going to, and you got to clean one or the awesome. other. So with all of the interview stuff out of the way, we're going to jump right into the topic at hand, and that is imparting from us to you some bardic knowledge. So a little bit of history. The bard class has been a part of D&D since the very beginning, and it has been in every edition since then, and it has also always been the jack-of-all-trades. I think that is one of the biggest things that has stayed the same Now, what those trades were and how you get to them has been a little bit different over time. But basically, you toss in some fighter, you toss in some rogue, you toss in, I say caster, I don't want to say wizard because over the editions, it kind of feels like cleric, it kind of feels like druid, who knows? You get spells. The other interesting thing that I found was that colleges were in play as early as first edition. And essentially, as you leveled up, you went through the colleges and like went to the better college. Also, you did not talk to a single bard that was below your station. You refused to do it, which I thought was an absolutely hilarious thing written into the rules. Apparently, if they had not graduated to your college, (laughs) you would not talk to them ever. I know musicians like that. No. Oh, what? You're not classically (laughs) trained? Oh, uh yeah (laughs) so second edition kind of saw the introduction of kits with the complete handbooks that happened for every class and that kind of made bards extremely powerful at time but the interesting thing was if you took the rules as written on rolling stats i've mentioned it before it's pretty insane essentially you just rolled 3d6 in order It was the first thing you did before anything else. So if you didn't roll the right stats, you didn't get to play the class you wanted. And there was actually a less than 1% chance you could even have the right stats to play a bard. So that's ridiculous. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. And all of that out of the way, we come to what I think is the time that bards shone the brightest, but not everyone liked it. Like you had mentioned before, Kyle, this is the time of love Mm -hmm. and hate third edition so i don't know if you want to anyone wants to jump in on their third edition bard experiences oh i'm actually i it's been so long i played third edition in high school and everything and uh and i just don't recall anyone ever playing a bard and that's that's something that you know has been corrected i think you know with 5e i didn't i didn't get to play 4e at all uh again dark period (laughs) didn't play D &D for some reason but yeah, no, I don't really have any recollections of many people playing Bard in three or three point five. Yeah, John, did you? Do you? Or I forget when. I so I have had in my three point five career only two people ever play a Bard, and one of them it was really awesome. He brought songs to play with us every time, and would play them like he wouldn't actually use an instrument or anything, but he would play like modern songs in the background. And we were like, well, there's magic and stuff. Why couldn't there be like auto-tune and all these things going on through magic spells? So he he was playing everything from Kanye to like 
I don't know, the Black Eyed Peas in the background behind us while we were fighting oh, things. good. The other one played one session, hated every minute of it. So it's it's an up in the air kind of thing. It's So I think one of the, and this is purely opinion, envision that internet. I'm only giving my personal opinion about the words that are to follow. I think one of the things was a lot of the stuff was turned down for the bards and charisma was given the first chance to really be something more than it had ever been before. And so I think that created this weird place where the bard wasn't effective in these things, but it was effective in all these new things that felt like they broke the game without the proper understanding. I say that because That's the experience I had. Someone had essentially maxed out diplomacy and deception and murdered someone in front of another party member and then essentially was like waved their hand and this is not the murderer (laughs) you're looking for and convinced them that it was their own fault that the person was murdered. And I'm like, this can't be right. This can't be the you broke my game. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. That, that I mean, with the with the point by system that three point five e had, that's and three and three point five, uh, with that point by system, I could easily see that happening. <laughs> so we moved to fourth edition real quick, where essentially the bard is given a chance to shine as that jack of all trades because it's much more tactical in its focus than other editions. So then it can really shine as that support role, and then that moves us to fifth edition. Yes, which I mean, I can lean heavily yes. on the D- the dungeon maestro. Essentially, what is a bard in fifth edition? Oh man, what I've done for for the bards, I mean, you know, in in my my game, they are collectors of history. Which I mean, that's more more so are the case. I mean, you have like the College of Lore and everything. They go around and they collect all the information, and they're that's that's more so the classical style bard that you think of, the one who's going around and telling tales. I mean, like the dudes you get to play tunes in Skyrim and stuff like that. Like that's, that's sort of more so where my mind goes when I think of bards, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I just think of it as like the traveler, the person who's willing to go there, get the story, you know, make some goodwill along the way. I, well, I mean, I guess that <laughs> depends on your, uh, on your alignment, but we won't go into that. Um, or will we, Uh-oh. I don't know yet, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I just take it as like, you know. The, the the traveling minstrel ready to spread some good cheer and you know ready to have a good time and you know whatever proclivities may come their way. Have you experienced bards in fifth edition, John? I have. I uh, in my experience, they usually end up getting played as a hundred percent a jack of all trades in fifth edition. I don't know if you could do this in fourth too, but where you can pull spells from other classes rather than the bard spell list is like my favorite thing. Like, being able to be like, oh, well, now I can do this druid spell, but also I can shoot lightning bolts or whatever from a wizard. And then, again, when you level up, I ha- I don't think I've played all the way to the second time you get to take it. But imagine taking, like, level 20 spells from any class as a bard and just, oh, well, now I have destroyed everything. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that speaks to like just like the idea that I was talking about where it's like, yeah, they go around and they meet different people. They do what they do. And in those adventures, that's how they pick up those those abilities from other classes and uh, really kind of shapes them into a very unique kind of character. Uh, Going back to like the whole 3.5, it always seemed like 
you know, I look, I remember looking at bards a little bit, I guess, but you know, it always felt like, well, it's not quite a fighter. It's not quite a spellcaster, not quite a rogue. Like, you know what? It didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a jack of all trades, but it was a negative connotation in my mind. Whereas now it's just like, oh no, 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 this is, uh, this is very much a good thing to me. This whole jack of all trades, especially, you know, giving the, the ability that they have in that whole tree where you get to add just like, yeah, I can just add a one or I think it's half your proficiency to something I'm not trained in because I've, I've been around, I've experienced the world. I know what's going on. I know the skinny. So let's, uh, let's sneak in there and steal what we got to steal. My roguish friend, I can actually help you with that. I hadn't thought of it in that context, but I think one of the things that makes the Bard in fifth edition shine as that Jack of all trades is that they're good at all of the things. Now that said, mm-hmm. sure. Fighter's going to pump out more damage or be able to take better hits. The rogue is going to sneak better and do all of those things better. A pure caster, like a wizard, all spin circles around a bard, but they're still good at all of those. And they have some of their own flavor because of the bard class. And, you know, whereas maybe in third edition, they weren't that good, except it convincing other people that they were the murderer instead of themselves. But um, (laughs) I think the fact that they're pretty good at all of those things is what really lends itself to being such an, such a good and fun class because you have all of the tools at your disposal. Now that said, I think it could be technically a difficult class to play because you have all of these options in front of you at any time. I would actually describe a bard as the storybook hero. Like they're already how much like why would anyone have a reason to be traveling all over everywhere unless they're a bard or a merchant and who's playing a merchant when they're playing D and D and then yeah. you take you take this character and the book we were just talking about is a great example because I would consider Kvoth a bard he plays all these different instruments he learns magic he learns sword fighting he takes in all these true jack of all trades types things and. Doles them out when he needs them. Uh, yeah. He learns manipulating people, going to different cities, all these different things. Like, other than a bard, who could you have perf- go one minute performing on stage to the next minute shooting a lightning bolt at an enemy to the next minute, like, sword fighting someone? Like, Yeah, no, I mean, and then, like, his, the, you know, again, I'm only, like, through chapter 15, but just, like, the few chapters at the beginning of this book, his upbringing they are all bards. He's in a troupe. They're in a performing group and they go around and they do that. So yeah, I fully agree with you. Hands down. Both is a bard. Awesome. So the other question that I thought of that would be good to further showcase the fifth edition bard is how are the players at your table different? Because you're telling you know, I'm playing devil's advocate with this question is like, mm-hmm. you're telling me there's just three bards there. Well, that's dumb. There's three of the same people at the table. Obviously, I know that's not true, but essentially, how are your players making different characters using the same class? Well, I did, I did make it, uh, I did make it a point to have them make multi-class characters. So, okay. I, 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 you know, I was like, you got to have a background. Like, there's something that led you to being a bard. Like, what, what is it? What is it about your background that gave you that? So, uh, Goodrich, my guitarist, he's his his background was he is a dwarf druid. And, uh, you know, the acts that he plays, you, you know, he was called to. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely went that route. He had to. That's so, okay. but, you know, he was a druid and, like, you know, there, he, he he's all right at it. I don't want to go into anything because I don't know how much, uh, how much I want to, how many beans I want to spill. 
But uh, but yeah, no, and like you know, that eventually led to him like maybe he wasn't the best at being a druid, and that's what led him to like, well, well, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm doing the wrong thing, and I want to do this, you know. And my my wife Allie, she's playing Yashi, and she's playing a half orc barbarian. So she started off as a barbarian, traveling around with her mom and her dad, who you know they were. Her mom was a half or or was an orc and her dad was a human. And, you know, they traveled around together and performed and whatnot and did their thing. Uh, and then there's a Spurrier who's playing a halfling and his background is rogue. He got kidnapped at an early age, but his family is they live at in this uh, in the hemp hills and they they actually live at this. He came up with this idea for like an organ in the mountain that is like at the base of the mountain near where they live. So, you know, they've all had like, you know, small musical like tidbits in their background that have, you know, kind of shaped what they really want to focus on and everything. But then they've led these other lives that, you know, eventually something led them to being a bard. So but they all they all kind of play it differently because they just have that that multi-class, which is kind of cheating, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it as far as making them different in bardic ability. But um but no, they've they've definitely found their own style of, you know, I mean, just the role playing alone, how they present their characters and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely one to ponder on, on how they really make it different. I'll have to, I'll have to pay attention. Yeah. Well, I think that the key, especially for fifth edition is, you know, you brought up having different backgrounds. I mean, if you were even to like take that further, let's say I was a bard, I was of the same college, I was everything, but I took a different background. Even that small amount, and you're and you're setting it up even bigger of like I had these, you know, I had, was a druid, I was a, a barbarian, and then I was a bard. But even like going all the way, like I was the acolyte or I was the hermit, like those two mm-hmm. people could be super, super different. So I think yeah, starting them on a path before getting to be a bard, I think that's that's the way I would go. Yeah. And also, you know, just uh, again, having listened to your podcast so much, you know, I really started building the world. Like when I started building the world for Bombarded, the first thing I looked up was D&D podcasts that's, you know, had an episode with world building. You guys were the first ones I found. Yes. So that's what really got me in. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. So, you know, I've heard things in your podcast and like, yeah, that's a great idea. Like in my in the current arc that we're in. I have taken uh, the the Kuatoa, and of course, you know, the Kuatoa are supposed to be insane, driven crazy by Mind Flayers and Illithid. And it's like, well, what if they haven't been around? What are the Kuatoa like without them? Mm. And, you know, so I've, I, I've taken that, and it's one of the things that I fully stand on as far as playing D&D is, yes, there are really, really well-set guidelines for what you can do and what, you know, what is possible in D&D. But those are just guidelines. You can take it and say, like, no, no, my world is at a different point. Like, yeah, sure, uh, you know, and the Forgotten Realms and whatnot, this has all happened. But this isn't the Forgotten Realms. This is my world, and, you know, I'm making up what I want to. And you guys really definitely helped me out with that, you know, just really kind of opening the, you know, the door to that for me. So. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, that's the goal. Job. That's the goal <laughs> right there. We did it. We, we did it. We did it. So. I think we should move on to what I feel is going to be my favorite section. And essentially Mm -hmm. we can just start going around coming up with crazy and awesome ideas for bards as plot hooks, as NPCs, anything we can dream up to give that inspiration back out to whoever is listening. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
John, do you have an NPC or plot hook that you want to toss out? So when I start people like at higher level when I'm DMing, I like to make them multi-class usually. Like take two things instead of mm-hmm. just going jumping to level three. Or if they're level three, I usually let them take one. But if we're going to five or something, like three and then two and something, and I would love to make them all have a reason to take Bard as a subclass because the people I play with usually don't play as Bards. But what if there is a town that they need to get into, like you tell them a plot in the beginning that uh, either they're all playing good or they're all playing evil and it's a heist campaign or something. They need to get into the city and the city doesn't let in commoners. The only people they'll let in are talented musicians that can perform for them. So then you need to be a talented musician and somehow gather enough fame that this city will allow you in so that you can steal their gold, marry a princess, uh, defeat an evil wizard, whatever you got to do in that city. But you got to, you know, you got to sing for your supper. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. I can be down for that. I also love the idea of like, you started out with that, but then they're not good enough. You know, so they mm-hmm. have to like go and like be better bards. And I also love the idea of them. And I feel like this is going to get too out there. Uh, and I think that might be a conversation to have is how do we keep it somewhat serious when we have an entire party of bards? Because immediately I was like, they need to find the pick of destiny. Yeah. Right. Uh, Absolutely. And, or like, or just better instruments. And you could, I feel like you could still have them, seeking out better instruments in it not be over the top. I mean, it's still, mm-hmm. your, I mean, it's kind of your classic MacGuffin style quest, but finding that better loot fight. Hmm? UTE, not OOT. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. My bad. Uh, <laughs> no, that is very good. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'll leave it at that, but there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, as far as, uh, as far as like crafting a quest for a bard, I mean, uh, I, I have to think of there, you know, writing the episodes for Bombarded. I'm trying to think of every episode. I'm like, okay, what's what's something that they could write a song for? Like, you know, do I want to give them a hook this time or just give them an opportunity to perform a song on their own? So, uh, you know, of course, I mean, our first episode starts off with the typical. Yeah, go to a tavern, get a gig, do the thing, you know, perform, introduce yourselves. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's what I started off with. But I mean, you know, yeah, if, if you're going in the route of like, high-level bards. I mean, do you imagine if, uh, I don't know how you'd find yourself in, like, some kind of the Plane of the Damned or the Abyss, and you have some kind of, like, you know, trickster god that's put you there in a way, and they are they are very much like, huh, I, you know, I like my puppets. I like watching them perform. Uh, you know, maybe we could maybe we could cut a deal. If you, make me, if you make me laugh or you do something comical or impress me in ways, perhaps we could arrange a form of... Uh, a form of you being able to leave you you know you'll have to come back at some point because i gotta get my entertainment but you know being able to being able to perform uh, well enough to appease some kind of demon lord or something like that i think would be a would be a good challenge because it's like what are you gonna have to play to make a demon lord appease like you know you can't just sing whatever you would think about for like a normal person out there like they're gonna want something specific and maybe that would lead into like you know, them saying, 
you you haven't quite hit the nail on the head. I'm going to need you to go out and maybe learn a little bit about my lands and venture out into the abyss and discover what really makes our world our world. And by our world, I mean my world because I am I am the demon of this world. So, <laughs> you know, doing something like that and making it lead off to where it's like, okay, yeah, you're this is the end goal, but you don't know enough about where you're at. So you got to go out and you've got to, again, collect collect information, history, lore, stories about the plane that you're on to be able to appease the uh, the patron that is holding you. And that immediately made me think of having the mechanic, because you said you had dice that you roll and it will provide chords, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's eight-sided chord dice. Essentially, like, part of, like, you know, let's say part of that arc is they get to a place, they either defeat someone, find an object, and they can essentially roll, like, one or two of those dice. And now they know part of the song that they could potentially play. Like, yeah. you're not even getting the chords right here. Get out there. Yeah. Go to the abyss. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah, get out there and get the, you know, maybe maybe there's a special instrument that only, that only, like, that produces a frequency that is just very endearing to the demon. And you have to get that instrument specific. Otherwise, no game. You can't do it. They have to build the instrument. It needs to be a new instrument. Ooh, yeah. See, there you go. That's some real thinking, man. And your players have to actually build a new functional <laughs> instrument. Okay, maybe that's a bit much. <laughs> we, which is really, really hard to do yeah. considering all the instruments that have been tried to be made over the years. Uh, that's so funny. What is? What about NPCs as bards? Or bards as NPCs, rather. There's a there there is a there's a guy in my Thursday night D and D games at the comic book store I go to. He's playing a bard and he's wanting to go very much. I don't know if y'all have seen The Greatest Showman. Um, yep. You know, the, yeah. Uh, so he is wanting to be like that style of character, which is awesome because that was a you know great musical and everything. I don't know if you'd call it a musical. I think it is. But yeah. Anyway, he, he's playing this character and when he performs he's he, you know he's pretty good he's actually like bringing songs to the table and whatnot he's you know he's doing a good job but the way he plays his character is timid at some points and i mean you know i've asked him about it he's like yeah you know it's kind of a kind of a timid thing but you know when i'm when i'm performing i'm very very confident and so i think the idea of just like a very timid a timid npc like um you know i I was was wondering maybe I could uh, open up for you talking to other, you know, maybe other bards that are actual player characters be like, maybe I could open up for you at this tavern. I, I've been trying to get a gig here for a while and the, the bartender just won't let me in the door. He says my personality won't match, you know, something along those lines is, you know, because it's very, you know, the dichotomy between what you expect and what you are presented, I, I think, adds a lot a comical value to it while also really developing like, well, why is this person so timid if they can actually perform so well? I like that one a lot. Because, yeah, what you're expecting and then, yeah, how over the top you could make it once they hit the stage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. John, do you have any NPC bards at your disposal? So I really like the idea of a bard as the big bad. <laughs> Just personally, because instead of this, I mean, he could be crazy, strong, and powerful, but that like when i think of an evil bard that's not what i think it's more like this guy has can manipulate the whole world against you just cuz he understands how people work how the aristocracy works he can 
get people on his side, performing, telling tales, anything. Yet. People love bards. And if mm-hmm. he's evil, they're still going to love him more than you. Unless, like, unless you have some, like, no matter what good deeds you do, I'm still going to go to carnivals. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, well, and especially if if they've done a lot, I mean, essentially if they've done a lot of touring and essentially, like you said, brought a lot of business, a lot of fame and all of these things, and they're using that as that more subtle evil, but then they are still the big bad who is super effective because they can kind of do anything. And then once you have enough spells at your disposal, then you also summon evil creatures. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and just thinking about being popular enough to, uh, you, you would have fanatics that would follow you, and they, you would have to, I mean, and <laughs> this gets into the point where, like, yes, a bard may hold up in their manner, and they have their fanatics that just lounge around, and, you know, they're ready to to party or do whatever, and they're just there, like, you know, not even, not even like an entourage, but just people who, like, you know, climb the walls that want to be inside the bard's, you know, domain, you know, and they're they're going to be there to, like, fight whoever's going to bring this bard harm. So you're talking about, like, you know, commoners. Like, these people are going to have to go in and start, like, killing regular people to be able to get to this evil bard because these people love this evil bard so much. Mm -hmm. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) The cult of the big bad bard. Yeah. (laughs) Triple B. That's that's his his evil name is Triple B. And you must defeat (laughs) the big bad bard. (laughs) So... We're getting pretty close. Does anyone have anything else to toss out for bards and impart some bardic knowledge for the listeners? Um, I was fortunate enough recently. Uh, I went to Half Price Books on a whim, and they had the 2E Bardic Handbook. And uh. I said, I must have that. It shall be mine. So I did. I bought it. And I noticed in the latter half of the book, there's a whole section for fa- followers and patrons. So you can actually develop like, you know, there's a table for it and you can gain followers and, you know, have patrons that will pay for you to go and play in certain places and spread their name. And I was just like, oh, man, this is so cool. I mean, of course, it had they have their own book at that point in comparison to 5e. Now, you don't have you don't have those separate handbooks like you used to. Oh, excuse me. You don't have those separate handbooks like you used to. So this I'm really thinking about dipping into this 2e book pulling some of that for for bombarded and you know working that up because i mean that's that's what i mean that's uh, definitely how the players are taking it they're like yeah we we're gonna get business cards made and we're gonna tell everyone our name and we're gonna get it out there like this is who we are so you know i'm like okay well i gotta be ready for that and why you know if they're playing good enough music which that's one fun thing for me is uh we do write a song every episode i actually don't help write it because if i'm playing an npc that they are performing for i want to i want to play that npc non-biased so the only thing I do is I wind up coming in at the end and putting in a baseline and that's all there is to it. So, uh, but yeah, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to go out there and actually try to gain a following, there's a mechanic in an old edition that isn't, isn't used to my knowledge in the current one. So yeah. I'm going to rip that out of there and just shove that right in, you know, in the back of my five ebook and say, yeah, it's there now. Well, let's do this. Let's get you some following, some patrons. Who knows who's going to like shower you with money. We'll find out. Maybe maybe your patron will be evil, and you'll have to determine whether it's actually like morally okay for you to be able to actually accept them as a patron. That's so much fun. The tour oh, yeah. wagon has the guild crest on it as yeah, they're going around. Exactly. Oh, that's good. John. 
So I just had, I wanted actually to talk to you about instruments because every time I play, somebody wants to bring a, a piano with them or something too big for a bard to be bringing around with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, similar to how there are like Onyx figures for like uh, a griffin or like an Onyx dog, I've mm-hmm. created like little items that turn into a bigger instrument that they can carry around with them. Like one of my friend, he's actually not playing a bard. He's just playing a wizard, but he has found a celestial organ that he pulls out. That's like eight by two, like just this huge thing that takes up the area that will just all of a sudden pull this out and begin playing a song on an organ. Like, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's totally cool. Just like, yeah, almost like capsule core style from Dragon Ball. Just like, bam, exactly. piano. Oh, no, that's, that's fantastic. That's, Why not? That's so good. And that could be like the trinket that they start with, you know, or like their heirloom, family heirloom is the yeah. celestial organ. Or, I mean, and I I don't, I can't remember if you said your character started with that or if they found it, but man, what a quest that would be to say, you know, it's like, oh man, I really like playing the piano, but... I I just don't I can't rationalize actually trying to carry the dang thing around with me. And then you have that one bartender that you know that one bartender is like, well, actually, I've heard tale. Some people are saying that there's some kind of uh, shrinky dinky piano that you can uh, find somewhere. You'll have to go out and uh, I don't know. It was this guy. Go go talk to them. Maybe they'll be able to point you in the right direction. And then you have a whole quest trying to find this awesome instrument. I don't know. I think that's a I think that's a a great fantastic idea. Agreed. And so, on the note of Shrinky Dink P- Piano, I will I ask it. you on the note. The, uh-huh. <laughs> I will ask you the most important question. Where can people go on the internet to find all the cool stuff you're doing? If you want to uh if you want to see what Bombard is up to, you can search any social media. Um just search at Bombarded Cast. You can find that anywhere, wherever you get podcasts, just type in Bombarded. You should find us. It's Bombarded, a musical D D adventure. Uh, if you want to see what other people are saying, you could use the hashtag Bardcast, search that. People are posting, you know, there's theories out there. There's a bunch of fan art, which, oh my gosh, the, the fan art that we've been receiving is just oh, so amazing. phenomenal. Like, I I don't even know what to say because it's all so fantastic. And I'm just overwhelmed with the with the love and support that we've gotten from people. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just makes me smile way too much. But uh but yeah, no, uh so bombarded cast on any of your social media, bombarded on any of your podcast platforms, it'll get you there. Uh we are gonna have a website up pretty soon. Yeah. So if you want to check out our website, it's bombardedcast.com. There you'll be able to see we've collected the uh We've collected the different um, fan art that people have done, and we've put it all in one succinct place. If you want to check out the character sheets, they're going to be there. Um, if you want to check out the band behind Bombarded, you can go to lindbmusic.com. That's lindby spelled L-I-N-D-B-Y. And right now I realize that I'm just pretty much reciting my middle bit that I do for every episode, which hey. has been good practice for moments like this. Yep. You're a well-oiled machine of information. I like it. Yeah. If you want to follow me personally, I'm Boognish underscore theory on Twitter, which is B-O-O-G-N-I-S-H underscore theory, which uh, is a reference to a band called Ween, who I love very much. I'm wearing one of their shirts right now. But um, but yeah, no, uh, that's that's where I do. I don't I don't post too much I, every once in a while. So but if you want to say hi, I'll say hi back. I'm, I ain't scared. All right. I ain't scared of no ghosts. Awesome. And. 
Kyle, we just want to thank you again for coming on to the Dungeon Master's Block and sharing with us your bardic knowledge. No, thank you so much for having me. And with that, let's head to the mailbag of holding. But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That guys. right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? So today on the mailbag, once again, I am not alone. I have none other than DM Mitch. Hey, hey. And today we are going to focus on the email sent from DM Indikill. And they were listening to our steampunk episodes and were sitting around watching a show where they saw all the kind of bad things that we did to monkeys during the space race. And they had an idea. <laughs> a group of mages is working for some government trying to send goblins up to be the first people into space. I love this so, already. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a question it's just an amazing email that i wanted to focus it's on an idea. And kind of give like yeah it's an idea and just focus on it for a little bit of like a D space race where we're shooting goblins into the air and i think it's magical <laughs> it is magical because it's mages but i think it's a wonderful thing so my question is what would you do as a mage in the space race i mean my first idea with this is that those goblins survive somehow and they change uh, over over years and years and years and eventually uh, they come back <laughs> and they are these new strange space goblins that are leaving us leading a space goblin army uh, to kill those who originally sent them away from the planet. And then you have this crazy alien invasion of space goblins coming down. And maybe none of those mages are even alive anymore. And now your PCs are fighting a space goblin invasion. That to me sounds awesome. That's amazing. Also, I figured out the quickest solution. Definitely not the quickest method by which to send a goblin into space. <laughs> Permanent levitate. Oh my gosh. And then they will just slowly but surely drift off into space. <laughs> oh, and then when they come back, they have learned how to control it. So they're flying goblins. Yeah. Well, the thing, I mean, you mentioned it. And I mean, just thinking about what happens to humans that have gone into space for extended periods of time and like having a goblin race embody like these changes and adapting to it, you know, and they would be much larger because oftentimes, you know, with a lack of gravity, a person will come back and they're seem taller because everything's kind of stretched out without having the natural pull of the earth and like time is different. I think it'd oh, be yeah. a lot of fun to have. Well, the other thing is who's to say what happens when you go into space? If you're the first one to do it, mm -hmm. anything can happen. And so I think having, yeah, like this super crazy now goblin invasion that comes back from like an innocent, like, let's go there. And it's like, oh, no, we've done something terrible, I think is a great way. Yeah, I I could see like with this idea of levitating a goblin in space too. like maybe it's not even a goblin invasion. I In my mind, it, it pretty much always leads to consequences in the end. But what if like all the goblins are just dying because they're going into space? But what if you have a scene uh, where a goblin is about to die uh, and they're shot in space and they're losing air? And I think of it like in the first Guardians of the Galaxy where Star-Lord's out in space and about to lose 
lose his life from not being able to breathe. And then a spaceship picks him up. And this goblin goes Ooh. into this ship and is introduced to mind flayers or some or Gith Yankee or whatever it is. And this is how those are introduced into your world. And now, rather than space goblins, we have an invasion of mind flayers coming because that goblin had no loyalty to those mages. And so is just telling them it's over there. It's this planet. It's called whatever. Like, please go go invade them i'm happy with that just maybe he even as the goblin like works out as a diplomat like let our people serve you don't eat our brains like we will be your servants that is awesome well there you go that's why i brought this wonderful idea to the mailbag of holding and i just want to thank you dm and kill for that awesome email So we just want to thank Kyle again, the DM maestro for the Bombarded podcast for coming on and sharing his bardic knowledge with us. If people wanted to get a hold of us and share their bardic knowledge, John, how would they do that? Well, first of all, you could email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at DMs, DMS underscore block, or you can find us on Facebook and like us there. All three are great options. And if you like this episode or any of the others, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, which we'll read out on air. And as always, we have another Patreon shout-out to give this week. And this week's shout-out goes to... Russian 1200! Perfect. Thank you, Russian 1200, for being an awesome Patreon dragon. And Russian 1200 is a silver dragon tearing up the skies and getting all of the bonus content that we put on Patreon. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. You should come and check out our other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and the GM Showcase. And more. And we just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master. The most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. Can I do a sign off? Yep, that was your sign off. And we're done. (laughs) Perfect.